You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am Jeff Ellis, your host, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of Locked On, because it's hard to write and do a daily podcast, let's be honest. This takes up my writing time. That's just the way it is. Uh, how's everyone doing out there? On today's show, uh, the third segment is going to be the last like 13 minutes of my talk with the guys from Locked On Socks. Just to clip that in there and finish that up, uh, we're going to talk about Eddie Rosario, Billy Hamilton. Let's see. Quick note, I mean, Jose and Fran Miller back if you missed that. Uh, I don't know if we're going to touch on Dolan's comments. It just seems like comments. But, you know, he addressed the Mickey Calloway situation and explained how they're going to get better. Uh, and, you know, the mis- I don't know if he, we, he really was saying, you know, mistakes were made, but ways to do better. You know, it's just more chatter um, from someone that, I mean, I don't think fans really right now have much interest in hearing from. Let's let's be honest. Um Let's start out by talking spring training stats. And here's their thing. They don't matter. It is funny. I was over there looking at them today because everyone's getting so hot and bothered about Bobby Bradley. Bobby Bradley still struck out 35% of the time in AA, or in AAA last year, or 33% of the time in AAA last year, I should say. He's not walking. He has zero walks in spring training. Zero walks. Like This is indicative of a guy who is not improving like he is you know what happens during this point of the year in spring training guys are trying new pitches young players who are not going to even sniff the majors are pitching he's killing you got Trevor Bauer out there pitching with his eyes closed um this is the time of the year I mean no one is throwing their best stuff this is the experimenting time all these numbers like I said if you're a really young player then it's interesting but Bobby Bradley is not. Uh, he's been on the roster for a while, and I'm not. I'm not buying. Uh, I'm not buying anyone at this point in time. For everyone who wants to get super excited about, you already see people saying, oh, "Man, Jimenez is going to be better than Lindor." Let's let's calm down. Lindor was on a Hall of Fame track. Just because Jimenez is having a good spring, uh, I, I also don't hear the same people talking about, you know, Eddie Rosario and his abysmal spring, or Josh Naylor and his disappointing spring. Uh, there's reasons to be excited, but, you know, uh, there's just as many reasons to be, uh, not disappointed, or, you know, there's as many reasons to be scared. And like on the other side of things, it's like, at what point will fans start to like understand, you know, I, I get a lot of everyone. I mean, I had at least three different people today ask me, why don't they play Yu Chen Chang at first? Cause they need a first baseman. Well, he's never really played there. And yes, he's having a good spring, but he had a good spring last year. This is, and again, this is the time of year where they are facing pitchers who aren't going to, 73 players in camp for the Indians right now, 73. Every team has something near that. Uh, And again, this is the time where players experiment. They're breaking off rust. They're getting just an inning or two. They're seeing, trying new things out. None of these hitting stats matter. Like that is just, long and short of it do not get obsessed with how guys are playing uh we'll get into the Ahmad Rosario thing which is something I've been talking about for weeks on the podcast 
but it's one of those things that uh, everyone assumes this means Jimenez is going to make the team. It may not. I still think it would be a little bit surprising for the Indians to break on everything they've done for years in terms of salary suppression. They have never let anyone break camp with them. They have never had anyone who they have given up uh, control. or There's never been any player that they've sat back and like, okay, we are going to uh, allow this guy to be the one that is the, the player whose arbitration clock we start early. That's not how they operate. This would be a massive change for them. And maybe the case is because he played almost all of last year in the majors and they feel like it'd be harder to get away with it and they could be up for, um, could be a grievance brought against them. So maybe, but the other side of this honestly is what happens if it's not that they're moving Rosario to an outfield role because, uh, because Jimenez is going to get the spot, but they're moving Rosario to an outfield role because Rosario is not good at shortstop and the numbers bear that out and this team really values defense in general and Rosario is not a good shortstop this could just mean Yu Chen Chang could start the year at short I mean I talked about earlier that yes his spring training numbers were great last year spring training doesn't matter he's still a top prospect he's still a guy who they could give some run he's a guy who could spend the first two months getting a let's see what he can do let's finally give him this opportunity that's very possible, plausible. And then at the same time, you look across. I've been talking for weeks on the show, Ahmad Rosario to center field. It makes all the sense in the world because he's a terrible defender, but he's a great athlete. And if you go back to 2019, his bat with passable defense in center field makes him a above average, like a 55 grade, near a 60 grade center fielder. That's just the way that position is. It's not, uh, there are fantastic producers in center field. There's the high end is very high. But most of it's more middling. And when you get someone like Rosario out there and he can be about league average with a very strong arm in terms of his defense, but that above average production, that really gives you, you're okay with that. Like that would, and that's a potential top 10 center fielder in baseball. So that, that's why I've been saying, I hope they put him in center field for weeks now. They finally came out today and said, yeah, we're going to put him in center field. He's going to start... Uh, He's going to start there and move to the, you know, learning other positions, getting him kind of in that super utility role. I wouldn't be surprised if he just stays in center field. Uh, No one has won that job. Mercado has done nothing to let you think that he's an everyday player. I mean, even that rookie season, if you go back to a year ago this time when I was podcasting, I go, there are major concerns with Oscar Mercado because there was no consistency, extreme streakiness, uh, which is often a trait we see in players who kind of have like one good year and then never seem to get back fully and turn into more of like quad A or backup types. The Shane Spencers of the world, if you will, uh, the Kareem Garcias uh, and the like, it's that peak and then kind of a fade uh, because there is no consistency of play. And with Rosario as a potential center fielder, now it's interesting because the Mets wanted to try him in left, which... I mean, I always thought he was known as a strong arm, strong arm shortstop, so I always thought that he made more sense uh, in a you know right field than left. But it is interesting the Indians are specifically saying center field to start. Why? It's where they're weakest out there. It's where they have very little depth in system, at least in terms of who can help them sooner rather than later. Let's talk about one of our great sponsors. In this case, BetOnline.ag. 
the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL are in full swing. Bet online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to your website or use a mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book expert, and remember to get that 50% bonus when you go to Bet Online. Use the promo code Locked On. So the uh, the other bit of news today is Billy Hamilton was informed he is not making the Indians roster. I mean, like, is that <laughs> he should have known that ahead of time? Billy Hamilton isn't making a roster. Billy Hamilton can't hit enough to make a roster. Uh, the defensive metrics on him have been good over the years, and he used to be able to steal a lot of bases. Problem is, he just can't get on base. Uh, I like I pointed out when they brought him in. You're talking about one of the ten worst hitters in all of baseball over the past few years. He is truly an awful, awful hitter. I, I do like the things about Cleveland that looks for a trade. If the Indians trade Billy Hamilton, it's going to be like for a very low amount of cash. It's going to be one of those deals. No one's giving up. I know there are people out there, but the Giants got Jordan Humphreys for for him, right? Wasn't that the trade that uh, where he went over? I, you know, you go back to 2019. Billy Hamilton had a 56th percentile in walk, a 68th percentile in whiff, a 90th percentile in outs above average, 81st in jump, 96th in sprint. Fast, good defender. And he could walk, but man, you go through and it's just, oof, it's ugly. Um, and I, he didn't even walk that much. I guess that's 56 is more middling. <laughs> Looking at that, I, you know, everything with him is just not great. And I mean, even 2020, he only had 117 pitches. He wasn't an everyday player. Billy Hamilton making the Indians would have been bad. Uh, when you look at the shift with Ahmad Rosario becoming basically a full-time outfielder, the addition of Harold Ramirez. Harold Ramirez is, you know, we talked about him when they signed him. He has, he's a better hitter, that is for sure. There's more offensive upside. He's younger, so there's more upside there. Almost as fast uh, as Hamilton is definitely starting to slow down, and Ramirez's wheels have fully recovered. But Ramirez is strictly a left fielder, where Hamilton is actually a pretty good defender in center field. So what they can contribute in total value is about the same, but you are hoping that uh, Ramirez has got some more growth. Like if you're betting on Ramirez, you're betting on his growth potential because he is younger. Honestly, I don't think either of these players are likely to make the Indians, uh, especially with them seeming to insist on Naylor as an outfielder. I still think him at first base is your best bet. Uh, but they are insisting on him as an outfielder so far in spring, and we'll see how that plays out. And the other little bit of news on MLB trade rumors was the Indians really like Anthony Ghost. Um, you know, I kind of you know had to laugh there because it's it's just I, it's the same story with him as a year ago. Left-hander can throw really hard, but it's really straight and doesn't really move. And Secondary offerings aren't as great, and there's control issues. There's a reason why this guy, lefties that can hit 100, don't 
don't exist. It's a very finite club, and no one claimed him for a reason. It's just, even though it is that strong, I mean, you don't have to have great movement when you're throwing that hard. There's just nothing there that signifies that he is going to be able to be uh, a useful pitcher. Uh, You're hoping that slider can turn into something and control continues to improve. But, I mean, overall, what's he going to do? Like, is there any chance he makes his team? No. He's going to end up in the minors. And we'll just see if they can continue working on development. Uh, The other reason I laughed, it's like last week Sam Henkes was the guy. Now we're moving on. And I get it. You have to have someone to write about. It's I'm doing these podcasts every single day. I understand how hard it is to come up with content. So you find an interesting player and you write on him or a team might talk about a guy, which is also teams like to give all these players a little bit of time in this hunt. They want the players to feel valued, uh, especially if when someone like Ghost, who could become a minor league free agent, I believe at the end of this season, and if they don't add him to the 40-man, you know, making guys feel loved is a better chance of having them stay. They think their opportunity is there and they're going to stick around with the team. Uh, again, he's so far down the line that I just can't see how he ends up contributing to the Indians this year. If if Anthony, if he gets an opportunity, things have gone very bad in the Indians' pen. And I just, it's almost like a nightmare scenario because they're going to need to go down the line uh, significantly to find him as your top relief choice. And before we go into our last sponsor break, uh, this is not a sponsor break, so if, uh, just let's talk about these changes coming to minor league baseball. Because I like some of them, but they're also kind of crazy, and some of them are also ways to inflate runs. Uh, so let's just go through them all. Slightly larger bases with a less slippery surface. I'm actually totally fine with this. Uh, I hate all the instant replays of guys who barely slide past the base and are called out. So whatever. A little bit bigger, easier to stick to them, less slippery. Sounds great to me. Requirement that all four infielders have their cleats within the outer boundary of the infield dirt when a pitch is delivered double A. That's to limit uh, the good old shifts. And I think that's silly. Like, why are we trying to take away advancements in thought? Why are we trying to regress? And I know there are people out there like, the shift, it's, you know, it's bad, but complete hitters don't have that issue. Like, it's just making it so you need to be a better hitter. Uh, I, I don't love that one. A requirement that all mit- pitchers must step off the rubber to attempt to pick off all in high A. I think that's silly. Uh, you must step off. Like, why are we messing? Like, who out there is really complaining about that? Who's complaining about the attempted pickoff? I've never recalled anyone having an issue with this. It just seems a silly change. Limited of two pickoff uh, attempts per plate appearance. Two feels a little low. I don't know. I might have limited it to like three or four, but the excessive amount is crazy. A 15-second pitch clock, low A west only. That's very low. And an automatic ball strike system, low A southeast only. I love that. Give me robo-umps. Uh, I am all about robo-umps. We know they're coming. There's no way we're going to have umpires in a few years because it's going to be more cost-efficient on a very basic level. And it's also going to be just nice and uniform. And through the years, there's been so many minor issues with the umpires in baseball. 
like I can't really think of the umpires in any other sports where there's been as much controversy and claims of discrimination when in I won't get into some of those things but personalities who are trying to make themselves put themselves in the game as well uh, I am I am all for and I have always been someone who's all about moving to robo umps it's it's going to be that, that's my favorite part about all of this uh so if I'm I'm ranking these robo umps larger bases uh limiting pickoffs maybe not to the amount that they have I guess then I would say the 15 second pitch clock. So then which, uh, I guess stepping off the rubber because I don't really care that. Much. I mean, it's silly to change that one. And then I mean, I hate trying to eliminate the shift. So let's let's rank it those ways. Uh, very, it's a very odd thing that you know they're looking into. So if you're curious about the specifics, the bases will go from 15 to 18 inches. Uh, the, you know, the restriction for the shift. I, I don't think I need to go into that. Um, the step-off rule is basically to make it easier to seal bases. Pick-off rule is a way to speed up things. The pitch clock has been 20 seconds in the minors, so dropping it to 15, uh, you're hoping to speed the game up even more. Uh, in the Andy Anthony Castro Venice piece, uh, it was said that it reduced game time when they put in a 20-second pitch clock by 12 minutes. So, I mean, I guess that's a good reduction, but it's also just 12 minutes. It's not that aggressive. Um, Robo-umps are interesting. I am very curious to see if the umpires get mad i mean this this is the beginning of the end like let's be honest this is uh the beginning of the end of umpiring it's the way of it and i expect we'll see some some comments made over the next few weeks about that situation from those who are in that position but again baseball umpires maybe it's because i watch baseball like i know you know I, i guess i used to know some of the nfl and the mlb or in the nba ones but at the end of the day i feel like no one tries to do more with it than the um, the Major League Baseball guys. At the same time, the Major League Baseball guys um, definitely get the most exposure because they have the most games. So let's robo-umps now, robo-umps tomorrow, robo-umps forever. It's time to dive into our Built Bar March Madness now. We have a whole group of products to talk about. Matchup number one in the Built Bar March Madness, Caramel Brownie versus Cherry Barcia. Cherry Barcia is not my favorite. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to put it on Front Street. Cherry Barcia is not my favorite. I don't, nor in most things, I like berry. I do not love the berries with Bilt Bar. Do I still eat the berries? Oh, yeah. I don't throw away any of these Bilt Bars. They're all good, even when they're not my favorite. I'm taking Caramel Brownie. Other side of things, Lemon Almond Cheesecake and the Carrot Cake with Walnuts. Like, I don't think I've tried the Carrot Cake with Walnuts. I like Walnuts. So that'd be interesting, but I do love the lemon almond cheesecake, so that is my bet. So far, we've had Churro Puff advance against almond, Apple Almond Crisp. Peanut Butter Brownie beat Raspberry. Salted Caramel beat German Chocolate Cake, so I'm, <laughs> I lost that matchup. Uh, WC White Chocolate Birthday Cake beat Mocha, so I got that. Toffee Almond beat Banana Nut Breads, so that's another loss. Peanut Butter beat Orange, that's another loss. I am awful so far in this. 
I would have picked Churro Puff, and I would have picked Peanut Butter Brownie. So in, what, six matchups, I'm three out of six. But uh, this is my general feel. I think these are fantastic products. Remember, when you go to Built Bar, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get your 20% off. That is the best deal you will find. Built Bar. I love it. I can't wait for my order. It's coming Monday. Use that promo code LOCKEDON20. Get yourself a discount on this fantastic product. And now here is the last bit of my talk with the guys from Locked On White Sox. You guys go. I have to ask about the manager. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall thoughts, takes. I, it was uh, an interesting few days, I think, for anyone who writes and or uh, does media with the White Sox when they brought in Tony. So uh, initial feelings, current feelings, has there been any change moving the needle or was it always the same uh, in your guys' view? I've always not liked um, how they hired Tony Larusa. Um, I knew from the beginning, saw the press conference that Rick was pissed. Rick Hahn was pissed that he had to introduce this dude that he did not want to hire as a manager. At that day, when he was introducing Tony Larusa, Rick Hahn did not know that Tony Larusa had a DUI from February. So. Tony had told this to Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry's like, no, I'm still hiring you. Come on, man. I don't care about that. And didn't tell his general manager or his uh, vice president of baseball operations, Kenny Williams. So Rick had to find this out. Like pretty much all of us did. And I didn't like the hire initially, but then all the stuff that Tony LaRusso brought with him, I was not a fan of, but ultimately I think that managers don't matter that much in wins and losses. So as long as Tony understands that it's a player's clubhouse and he's not in there trying to turn over uh, spreads after the end of the game and trying to uh, indoctrinate his style into what the White Sox have built uh, over years. Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, and all these guys have built the clubhouse culture over years. And as long as he understands that and gets out of their way and just imparts some knowledge of baseball in his day, that should be fine, and I think the uh, Tony LaRusso will not get in the way of the White Sox success. I'm not a fan of the hiring, but I think the hiring will ultimately work itself out because the results will be favorable. Yeah, we're pretty much lockstep on that, and you know, certainly Tony LaRusso has been great content for the show. Like, you know, if Sox fans were like, you know, really outraged uh, when when they made the hire, and then oh god, when the DUI news came out, like, you know, they were ready to storm 35th and Shields with the uh, with torches, you know. So, but I said at the time before we even knew about the DUI, I said, you know, ask me when they break camp in spring what I think about the Tony LaRusa hire because I think largely managers don't matter. I think, you know, he's smart enough and a good enough Hall of Famer baseball person, as you have apparently said to the uh, Maricopa County police there. Um, he is smart enough to know a good roster and know good chemistry when he sees it. So I was never worried really about him interfering with clubhouse chemistry. Like that's something that takes years to build and cultivate, and he knows that. Um, you know, and by all accounts, everyone so far loves him. Like, and I've kind of turned the corner on how I feel about him. I was worried about his sort of, you know, when you listen to him speak, like it's, it's, it sounds almost lethargic, but it, you know, maybe it's calculated, you know, it just, it does, it's not going to inspire anyone, but when you listen to him, like he, he is really smart. And I cite the Jimmy Lambert thing as an example, like that is not something I would expect uh, the the manager of the Sox and Tony La Russa to say so early on in spring training, like he knows the roster pretty well already. Like you could tell he's a guy that's going to do his homework day in and day out, and he's going to 
deploy all the weapons in that bullpen to the best of his advantage, and he knows what it takes to 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 maintain a winner, not to build a winner, but to maintain it throughout the course of a season. So they're in the best position come October. So I, I think we've really moved on from from the the anger that came along with the hire because. Our thought process, if you put yourself in our shoes, we did several shows and we were about to do like every day we're going to break down a candidate for the White Sox managerial position. And Rick Khan came out and they're going to do a, 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 a great big search for the next manager and they're going to be transparent. And, you know, there's a lot of great candidates and this was a coveted job around baseball. Like, you know, this roster was ready made to win. And, you know, they just didn't have the horses in 2020 to finish the job in Oakland, and they fired the manager for it for some reason, even though he asked to, for more reinforcements on the roster, didn't get it, got fired anyway. So we were looking at this thing like, okay, managerial candidates. We mentioned Sandy Alomar yesterday. He was towards the top of my list. But then you look at other guys like A.J. Hinch, and I look back at that now, and I'm like, oh, I still don't know if, if that would have been satisfying. You know, that they would have moved on from those issues with the Astros cheating scandal a lot faster than the DUI. So there would have been considerably less drama there. But, you know, you, you have to wonder, like, how much of his success was attributed to, to that cheating scandal. So, you know, granted, Larusa had his issues as well, like, you know, on, on the backs of, you know, Mark McGuire, to, you know, twice uh, in St. Louis. So there's obviously there's problematic candidates everywhere. But, you know, there there were no perfect candidates for this White Sox job, I don't think. You know, there was no bench coach ready to step up and and be the next guy that everyone loved in the clubhouse. Like, you know, they've got guys like Joe McEwing kicking around, but certainly not someone that would inspire the fan base. So I think by and large, everyone's moved on from from the ire of the hire, so to speak. And, you know, we're ready to focus on, on baseball things. And so far... I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him out of camp, and they've only won one game in spring. But everyone, like they haven't lost the mojo, you know, they 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 haven't lost the swag. So I don't I don't think he'll do anything about that, and I think he'll have them ready to go once the season starts. And I think he'll be able to recognize if a team is really not stepping on the gas, if 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 they're if they're not focused as well as they should be. He knows what it takes. So you know, I'm looking forward to. You know, just moving on from all the, the drama of the offseason and, and hopefully putting it behind us. Unless, of course, that dash cam video services, then I'm all here for that content. But uh, other than that, <laughs> I think he'll put them in a good position day in and day out. Yeah, I can just say, like, as a, a final thought here with, uh, with the White Sox, I've already asked you so many things. I, I will say the one thing I do hope is that when the Indians face the White Sox, they do not uh, go fall behind. That bullpen is terrifying. I think it might be the best in baseball. I guess I, I lied. One last question. When you got a lineup like that, you got a pitching staff that has horses at the front and then some at least upside plays towards the back, and you've got this bullpen. What is the White Sox weakness? I think the White Sox weakness is their starting rotation, which is weird to say because the three horses they got, I have no problems with. Like I know on Giolito, Lynn, or Keiko Days, and congratulations to him uh, with the engagement to Kelly Nash from MLB Network. Just saw that the other day. Um, I have no problem with those guys. I know they're going to go out and give me a quality major league effort. When you have question marks at four and five, I don't even know where the five is this year. It could be Carlos Rodon, off the injured Carlos Rodon, or the inconsistency of Ronaldo Lopez. I don't know where I'm going to get from that part. Yeah, we have a great bullpen, which could step up in this regard. And we have Michael Kopech, who can do some spot starts, and Jimmy Lambert, and maybe even a Garrett Crochet, who they want to ramp up to be a starter eventually. But these are a lot of question marks. With the lineup, 
there's very little question marks. The only one I see is Andrew Vaughn is the question mark there. And with the bullpen, absolutely none. Everybody in that bullpen is pretty much top notch. There's people who are not going to be put in the bullpen that are going to be devastating in their careers. So I have no problems when they uh, when Tony comes out there and brings a guy in from the bullpen because all of them are really solid. I mean, and that's it's it's not just me blowing smoke. Like all of them have something about them. Even guys who struggled last year, like Jimmy Cordero, is a beast the year before. So I have no problems with that. The back end of that rotation, which I think also can cause troubles with the bullpen if you use them too much by the end of the year, is my concern, and that's the weakness of the White Sox. Yeah, I would agree. It's that starting rotation. Like there's there's a lot of question marks there, and yeah, obviously, you know, they, those questions could be answered, and these guys could all of a sudden break through and and you know start to establish their career. Guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, and you've even got some depth there, like with Ronaldo Lopez waiting on the side, and the Carlos Rodon thing. You know, I don't know if that's ever going to work, but they've got options. They can they can sustain s- some injuries here or there, but I worry about Dallas Keuchel regression. You know, he had an amazing year in 2020, sub two ERA. But that, that to me, like that's hard uh, with, with the stuff that he throws out there every day. And yes, he's very smart and he and he solicits uh, uh, weak contact. Um, you know, that's you know, I, I worry about that regressing a little bit. You know, it, it, when you when you rely on a guy who doesn't miss a lot of bats, like you know. Things can go awry pretty quickly, and you all of a sudden you can look at a guy who had several good years and be like, "Man, that was really a rough year for old for old Dallas Keuchel." So the the rotation question marks there. I worry about depth just overall. Like if, if someone like Moncada goes down again, like you know, yes, they've got some guys who can do a lot of things for you, Danny Mendick and Leary Garcia, but below that in in AAA, like they don't have a guy that's really knocking on the door there that can that can step in. From a position player aspect, and 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 fill a void for you know a few weeks, you know, God forbid, one of your best players goes down. So you know, I, I worry about depth overall and, and the starting rotation, but I, I don't think it's something that I. If you talk to me at the end of the year and the, and, and the White Sox win a hundred games, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I could see how how that happened, but I could also see how it kind of goes the other way, and the rest, you know, the half of the rotation doesn't live up to these expectations. So a lot of question marks there right now, but I would say that's it. Yeah, bullpen, even though. Evan Marshall is like the guy who's like going to be your probably your guy up up by a lot down by a lot guy that comes in. He carried them last year in 2020 as as your bridge guy to the closer. So like that's like even your your quote unquote weak spots like him and Jimmy Cordero like they're they've been effective in the past. So like it, that's very comforting to know that even if these guys in the rotation struggle a little bit that they've got guys that can eat up some innings hopefully. And I, I think the way they fine tune Michael Kopech's innings. Like this is something that's really unprecedented when you look at it. It's a guy coming off Tommy John, opting out in 2020. So he ha- he by the time he pitches, like it'll be like two years since he's pitched in a big league game. Like how there's no roadmap for how you blueprint a guy's innings limit on a, in a situation like that. They say they're going to ramp him up so he'll be ready and available come October and hopefully the postseason. But they've got to really be careful how they walk that line there. Like that's 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 a big question mark to me too. Like I love him whenever he takes the mound, Kopech, but like the, you know, waiting on the White Sox to execute a plan like that, it's very, very you gotta be very cautious thinking about that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I would agree with her rotation and depth overall is uh, where I would say the weaknesses are. 
I wanted to thank you guys for the letting us go extra long here and kind of record this. I think it's my first time meeting both of you because last year was crazy as we were supposed to do these and then uh, <laughs> everything shut down. Yeah. So like I, right now, like right around now. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we're just ta- I'm a teacher during the day. So we we're just talking. It was like this Friday was the Friday that we sent the kids home for two weeks. That was the statement. It was two weeks. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this was fun, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like, we'll probably do it again uh, over the course of the season, man. It was insightful yeah, totally. stuff. Yeah, totally. Before big series, is great to talk with you guys again. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Three straight pods deep into the 30s. I'm sure with ads, this one will approach 40 as well. I hope you've enjoyed it this week. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the pod. We are continuing to do great numbers, so I want to thank everyone who's listening, rating, downloading, fantastic fans out there. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, the daily downloads is fantastic. We're having a great week. Let's keep pushing. Let's break that top 10 of Lockdown Baseball Podcast. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.